This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Your best shout ever. Stay standing as Justin comes. Mark chapter 5. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. 
For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter's dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Amen. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the reading of the word. Thank you that it finds good ground in our heart now. And I pray as my mouth speaks that I'll speak as you. And that, God, you will give me the words to say. Lord, that every word we've heard will now be watered by your spirit. And it'll grow and find good fruit. May our ears be ready to hear what we need to hear from the Holy Spirit. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. You say amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Justin. Wonderful reading of the Word. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning. Uh, if you're new, uh, I don't want to make an apology for what I'm going to talk about, but I'll give you a disclaimer in a moment. I want to talk to you about demons, and I want to talk to you about how they've influenced our lives as Christians. Uh, and the disclaimer is this. I'm well aware that Many Christians have so varied opinions about demons. Some Christians believe that demons aren't even an issue anymore. They're not here. Other people believe that everything has a demon. Cats have demons. Your in-laws have demons. Come on, somebody. Your ex has a demon. <laughs> My belief, and I'm not asking you what you hear today. I'm not asking you to believe what I believe but I do want to say what I do believe and then give you an opportunity as you grow in faith to work it out yourself. I want to share some of my experiences with you. And then I want to tell you that I do believe that there is an influx of demonic power today that works inside God's people to influence us in such a way that we don't really see the life that God wants us to see. And because we're so technologically advanced, a lot of times before we ever deal with the spirit and the spirit of evil that can be behind an issue, 
we're usually Googling that issue long before we understand no matter how much you Google it, you're, you might be dealing with a spirit. And, and here's what I will say. You can't WebMD a spirit out, Google a spirit out, and, and you, can't, you can't just in a nice way counsel it out. You have to cast out a spirit. And we're going to do that by the end of the service today. So it's not going to be freaky. It's not like your head's going to spin around and you drop soup everywhere. If you do, I'm good with it. I, I, I don't have a problem with it. But I will say this. It's sad to me that the world has more understanding of the demonic side of life than many Christians. Uh, I bought a movie app uh, over Christmas and it allows me to go see as many movies as I want to see for free. Come on, somebody. <laughs> And, and I am a movie buff. But while I was watching, and I love the previews, so I go really early so I can watch all the previews. And out of seven previews that came out, five of them were about demonic powers. Kids possessed by a power, clowns possessed by powers, demons. Today when I watch things on Netflix or Hulu or video games that we play, it's amazing how much evil and demonic activity has filtered into being the norm. Now, I'm okay if it's the norm for the world. I have no problem with that. But when demonic power and evil becomes the norm for a believer, I think we have an issue. And we play around with it like it's no problem. So what I would like to do is give you what I think Scripture teaches. Go back to Mark 5, pull it out for you. This is by no means an exhaustive um, expose on demons. If you would like that, I love to talk. I love to debate. I don't care if you agree with me or not. I just like to talk about it. I'm pretty good at doing that. I would love to invite you to go to lunch or dinner with me, and we can hack it out more. But for today, you know, we've got a certain amount of time and I really have to kind of nail that down to try to make it as palatable as possible leading up to the end of service where we're going to do communion and we're going to renounce the things that God may have showed you. 1 John chapter 3, if you'll turn there, in verse 8, I want to start out with an introduction of two thoughts. And again, this may be a little different than, than what you normally get if you come here on a Sunday. So I'm going to try to kind of do it methodically so it'll make sense. 1 John 3, 8, if you want to follow along on the TV, you can. But when people keep on sinning, now watch this, this is weird. It shows that they belong to the devil. You understand this about God is like sin and when you continually keep doing it. I don't know if any of you have ever come to an altar, God, please forgive me, and then five minutes later, the very thing you ask forgiveness of, you're doing again. And you come the next week, oh, God, forgive me, I'm so sorry. And he does every time, but then every time he forgives you a day later, you're doing the same thing you felt so bad about. Well, religiously, we look at that and go, poor pitiful you, why don't you just try to stop? And we'll counsel you and help you. But what we don't understand, the Bible teaches, and this is strange, it's literally possible for you to belong to the devil. Meaning, he has ownership over you. And this is something you really got to grab hold of, that this is not just about, oh, I've got a little problem here that I can't deal. 
the Bible will teach us that not only is God a father, but so is the devil a father. And as I can belong to God so that I can also belong to the devil. Meaning he can control me, he can have influence over me and gain power over me. But it keeps going and says, the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. Oh, I love this. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Come on, somebody. You should have shouted right there. Let's read that last line together starting at the word but. Let's all do it together. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, you have to know that the devil is working something. He's working it. And here's what's weird. He knows how to work a human. He's been watching us from day one and he knows how to work it. Come on, you ever seen a woman that knows how to work it? The devil knows how to work it. You ever seen a man know how to work it? We can work our mojo. The devil's got a mojo. He knows how to work it. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Here's what I want you to know. There is a power that God has. And it's for a specific reason. Let's keep reading verse 11. We'll just write it all the way through. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand. And I want you to underline this in your brain place. All the strategies of the devil. The, the, the dumbest thing we've ever done as Christians is dumb the devil down to a red suit, pitchfork, horned dude. There's Yes, thank you, Carla. It might be a dude on Halloween, but it's not this dude. The devil, who we call the devil, according to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Old Testament, he was the most brilliant, wise, created being that God ever created. And all of the gifts of God are without repentance. Meaning when God made Lucifer originally and gave him the sum of all beauty and the sum of all wisdom and then Lucifer rebelled against God and became his own father over his own kingdom God did not take away his beauty nor did God take away his wisdom. God does not take the gifts back. The, the worst thing we've ever done is we've, we've dumbed the devil down to little pitchfork, fangs, red guy that runs around, his eyes glow red, he dresses up like a clown, lives in the sewer, her head spins around on a, on a bed and she floats above the bed. All the really dark, evil stuff. But his strategies are so brilliant. It's not that devil I'm worried about. That one's easy to pick out. It's the devil that shows up in a marriage and you don't even know that it's the devil. You think it's each other. Verse 12. For we're not fighting against each other. 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, mighty powers in the dark world, and we also fight evil spirits in heavenly places. See, that's the strategy. His strategy is to make you think that someone, another human, is your problem. That's where I get really nervous. Is that I think my addiction is my problem. I think I can counsel it away. Sometimes I may be able to. I'll teach you how to know the difference. But I have to know that God has forewarned me that a human is not my problem. But there are strategies set against me. Now what that tells me, back up to verse 10 I think it was, or 11. No, that was it, 11. The strategies of the devil is is weird. Like he knows what ticks you off. Have you ever watched somebody else that's dealing with a sin and you watched them and you looked at them and said, I don't know why they can't conquer that. I can conquer that. But you're not smart enough to know you could conquer that, but you can't conquer what you fight. You see, it's easy to criticize somebody else's shortcoming because it's not my shortcoming. I don't struggle with meth. So it's easy for me to be very critical, maybe, of somebody who does struggle with it. But the strategy means he knows your Achilles heel. He knows you cannot stand to hit a red light. (laughs) Who would have ever thought that the devil could use a red light to swamp the kingdom of God in my life? Oh, he will if it's a strategy. Because if a red light can make you frustrated, ticked off, angry, resentful, you're honking at everybody in your way, you better believe it's probably not a red light that's your issue. I would almost guarantee either in the glove box or the trunk or the back seat or sitting in the seat with you is a demonic spirit that's working to bring anxiety and anger and hurt and and then you think the strategy is all I need is some coffee. <laughs> Caffeine will not make a devil go away. It may make you think he went away. Because he might just go to Starbucks and I'll leave you alone. You see, there's a lot of things we deal with that we think caffeine, music. I just need a place to chill is going to end it. But it doesn't end it. It's a power that's working. And here's how you really know. I'm going to teach you how do you know the difference. Here's what I just want to start with. I don't want to lose you this deep in right now. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. They can be destroyed by Jesus. And there is a work that is working against you. And that work is not haphazard. It's very strategic. So for the man that says, I would never, ever, ever commit adultery, watch out for that brother. Watch out for him. Because what he's going to do is buddy up with a devil that will tell him, you'll never do that. And he'll be like, I know. I would never treat my wife that way. I mean, I did it once, but I would never do it again. He's like, I know. You're so spiritual, Mark. You read your Bible and go to church. I'm proud of you. You're doing so good. 
And then before I know it, he has strategized me right into feeling so good about myself that I'm about to walk off the ledge again. But he let me feel good about me. I've got this under control. I can handle it. I'm doing well. I mean, I have been busy. I've been, you know. So what I do want you to start thinking, rather than thinking the possession of Emily Rose or the exorcist or the clown dude in the sewer, I want you to just shift and stop thinking all those dark thoughts and I want you to think a brilliant being that is strategizing to destroy you. He can show up in a friend. He can show up in a lover, an ex. He's strategizing. So now let's go to Mark 5 and let's unstrategize him, okay? Mark 5 verse 1. Now so you know where we're going and I don't throw you for a loop. I want everybody to take the card that you have by you and I want you to flip it over to the notes. Now from this point to the end, which will probably be about another 15 minutes, if a word, a problem, a struggle pops into your heart, I want you to write it down on the part that says notes. Because what I've asked God to do is as Jesus did to the Spirit and said, name yourself, and he said, Legion, we are many. <laughs> as I just talk about this, and the word has already been read by Justin, I want you, if a word pops to your brain, or a problem, or an addiction, I want you to just write it down. Don't analyze it yet. Some of you are that analytical mind. Well, would, would that be God or me? I kind of heard something, but would I hear it louder? Just write. I'm talking to my wife. Just write. <laughs> Some of you have no analytics at all, and you'll have 42 words. And your spouse will be going, I knew that. I could have told you already. Let's read it. So they, the disciples, arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of a boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came from a cemetery to meet him. The man lived among the burial caves and could no longer, we're going to stop here, and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Here's what I want you to grab a hold of. And I think I asked Ryan to put this phrase, so I'm going to put it up there. Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. All right? So everybody just look at it because this is kind of where I want to take you in Mark 5. Jesus, who has come to destroy the works of the devil, heals. He does a work of power. And then a weird phrase, a demon possessed. That means an evil spirit. And then the final word, man. We don't get his name. We don't know much about him. Big guy, little guy, small guy. We don't know much. But we do know he's a human. So at the top of my sentence, Jesus, there's the divine power of God. Come on, say Jesus, Jesus. is the divine power of God. Now what that divine power is trying to do is to intervene in the humanity of man. Right now, Jesus Christ wants to intervene into your humanity. 
And by your humanity, I mean your weaknesses, your struggles, your habits, your addictions, all the things that you're trying. But standing in the way, this is what I want you to understand. Standing in the way of Jesus' divinity and my humanity could be the work of an evil spirit. It's why you could say, I've been prayed for a thousand times, nothing ever happens. I've gone to the altar ten times, they've anointed me with oil, nothing has ever happened. They told me if I would give, I would, God would give back. I gave, nothing has ever happened. You see, a lot of times we look back at the divinity of God and go, what are you doing to me? Why did you do this to me? I don't understand what you're doing because my, humani my humanity wants to criticize his divinity. Because that is a strategy of the devil. A strategy of the devil is for my humanity to criticize and to convict his, his divinity. He doesn't love me. He's doing this to me. God's punishing me. It's the whole Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they did not have a theology of understanding of demons. In the Old Testament, everything came from God. Sickness came from God, disease came from God, hell came from God. It's all they knew. It's the whole book of Job. God is the culprit of the whole problem. But we get an introduction to Job that even though Job thinks it's God, God in his sovereignty lets us know there's a conversation going on in heaven between Satan and God. Satan is strategizing against Job. And the strategy against Job is to make Job think that God is the one doing it to him. And what Jesus shows up is to destroy the works of the devil. It's Jesus that teaches me that there's another father, not just one called the eternal Yahweh. There's another father called Satan. Jesus introduces that concept. Nowhere in the Old Testament will you really see demons show up at all. But the moment Jesus steps in on the scene with his kingdom and his father, he's bumping into demons all the dad blame time. Because he's given us a New Testament revelation that devils are here and I'm letting you know they will hinder everything I want to do in your life. I am not your problem. And so many religious people think that God is their problem. And it's nothing more than a possession of demonic activity. Let's go back and read verse 3. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Verse 4. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. We're going to stop here. No one was strong enough to subdue him. I want you to look up at uh, the phrase, as he often was. Is there something right now that keeps often creeping up in your life? Write it down. Is it anger? Sexual lust? Pornography? Bitterness? Frustration? You're broke all the time? You work nonstop? You never have a dime to your name? Debt? Fear? Migraine headaches, body pains, body aches. Doesn't matter what you do, they just often show up. I don't get much relief 
And even we even start believing, well, I've had a few good days. I've even heard people say, man, things have been going good. I just know it's a matter of time before the devil gets on me. Oh, I've had like two good weeks. Just wait. Next week will be hell. That's a strategy. Telling you that you can't live in perpetual goodness of God. You only live in little segments of his goodness because you will always get tripped up and have hell follow you. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck. I'll hold off on that one. Is there something that often is showing up in your life that frustrates you? I just don't know how to deal with my children. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. Maybe you're not dealing with your children. You might be dealing with a spirit that's working in your home. Is there a problem that often shows up in your marriage? Oh God, we can talk about everything but that. Oh dear God, I mentioned that to him. He loses it. Well, that might not be a topic. It might be a demon. We've said it's the topic. Oh, we don't talk about money because the moment I mention money, oh, hell's going to break loose. Well, you, the strategy is to make you think it's money, but it's not money. It's a spirit behind it, and it just often shows up. Well, he told me he would never talk to me that way again. I mean, he verbally assaults me, but he's promised me he will never do it again. Honey, he's been doing it 11 blooming years. There may be a spirit behind your jerk of a husband that makes you think he's a jerk, and he's not. It's a spirit that's making you think he is. It's a spirit that's telling you, now he really loves you, but he's going to keep verbally abusing you. And you never deal with the spirit. It's the husband who's addicted to porn and he can't have sexual relations with his wife because as it often does, he lusts and he goes after his lust. It's the too many drinks. It's not just one beer, two beers. It's as often as you can get it. You can get the buzz. You can take the edge off. You can, as often as I do, every time I go home, I have six beers. And we think, oh, now just be careful, man. Don't get up to eight or nine of them. But really, it's not the beer that's the problem. It's the spirit that's working behind it, that's moving you toward destruction. And then the strategy of the devil is, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I can control it. And I'm like, yeah, you can control it because that's what he needs you to think because he's going to destroy you. Well, I can control the porn. I mean, I don't sleep with prostitutes. I just kind of browse Instagram yoga pictures. That's the strategy of the devil. He's going to destroy you. But he's going to do it with something you will accept and something that you will make part of your own. He snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles and then this phrase will sting a mite. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Is there something in your life you can't stop doing? You can't subdue it. You've tried. Dear God, every 1st of January, I am blooming, going to lose this 50 pounds. I can do it this year. I can conquer those carbs. Hashtag conquer carbs. Hashtag conquer right. <laughs> I'm not putting you down. I'm just trying to enlighten you. It might not be carbs that's your problem. 
Because for 20 years you've been going to lose that 30 pounds. And you cannot do it. Everybody else does it and you get ticked. You've signed up 42 times for Weight Watchers. It doesn't work for me. You've signed up for everything. You've been on the keto diet before they even called it keto. You were cavemanning it before. You've done the Mediterranean diet. You've done the Atkins. And the 20 pounds, 30 pounds just won't go away. The cheese dip's calling my name. Well, that may be true. But I would say if you've been trying for 30 years to take it off, what if it's not carbs and food? What if it's a demonic spirit that's working to make you think that that food is going to bring you calm? Addictions, tobacco, cigarettes, alcohol, meth, crack, heroin, pills, steroids, whatever. Binge watching TV. I, you're welcome. I said that for my daughter, right? I'm just, I hope she hears it. God let my child who sits in her room. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm kidding. But it's nice when your kids are here. It's like, I hope she hears it, dear Jesus. My kids about to have a demon come out of them. I don't want to. That's so good. I don't know if anybody else in that bottom phrase, I'm not strong enough to subdue it. I'm not strong enough. That's why I'm very careful with alcohol. I'm not against it. You know, if I have a beer or a glass of wine on a date night, I'm not against it. I mean, you, whatever you want to do. But I will tell you this, if you're not careful, that thing will subdue you, control you, and kill you. And it would be very easy for me to go, man, I'm stressed out watching over everybody's spiritual soul. I think I'm just going to chill out with about 42 beers here and kind of forget life a while. You big like me, you're going to need more than three. <laughs> but is there something, I want you to write it down, be bold. Is there something that's been going on in your life you can't subdue? A marital conflict you can't subdue? Kids, is there something, a, a lust, a sin that you can't overcome? You've tried, but you can't do it. It may be a spirit. Is there a way that you think about another human that makes you angry and bitter? Resentment rises up. Unforgiveness. Uh, you can't overcome it. People have told you, oh, just forgive him. Just forgive her. Get over it. But you can't. You literally can't get over it. It might be a demon. Verse 5, day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting, it. we'll leave it here, howling, cutting himself with sharp stones. Day and night he wandered. Is there an area in your life right now you don't have peace? Because when you don't have peace, you will wander. Your mind will wander. Here's how I know it could be a devil. You, you see a commercial on TV about some sickness and instantly your mind's wandering. Oh God, oh Jesus. Oh God, oh dear. Oh my ear's itching suddenly. <laughs> oh God, my eyes are blurry. Oh Jesus, what if I have? You understand your mind's starting to wander. Many times a wandering mind that's not at peace, it might be a demonic 
power behind it. Because Jesus came to give you peace. But the mind will wander. Anybody got one of those minds? The wandering mind that never slows down. There's always something wrong. There's always a fear. There's always an anxiety. As a matter of fact, I lay down at night to go to bed. The Bible says I can sleep in peace. But when I lay down, man, my brain, it just won't stop. I'm so anxious. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm trying to figure out tomorrow. Well, that might just not be because you're entrepreneurial and your brain's way out there. It may be a spirit that's moving to keep you from being at rest, to keep you from just being at peace. He said he wandered among the burial caves. And that I want you to just kind of underline burial caves in your brain. The burial caves meaning that no matter how hard you try, life doesn't come. Man, I have tried. I have prayed for my grandkids. I've prayed for my kids. I've prayed for my husband. Nothing, 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 and nothing. I've prayed for my business to prosper. Nothing. I prayed for my money. Nothing. Because the burial caves tells me that anytime there's a demonic spirit at work in your life, it will always lead you to a place of feeling like nothing works but death. Excuse the phrase, I don't mean this rude, but it will hit home. I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't. All hell breaks the loose again, doesn't matter what I do. You see, that's a burial cave demonic mentality. Doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't work for me. I've already tried it. That's a burial cave mentality. Probably a demonic power working. Howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Howling. Is there an emotional thing in your life that keeps creeping up? An anxiety, a fear, a torment, a a recurring dream, a nightmare. Howling is this emotional outburst. Do you have outbursts of emotions all the time? And then rather than blaming it on a demon, you blame it on your mother. Well, I just inherited my mama's personality. Well, good, that demon may have passed down from her to you. It might not be her personality. It might be her devil that just hopped on you and said, well, let's ride this another generation. Are y'all getting it? I'm not trying to be mean or rude or put you down. I just felt I even called the elders this week and said, please pray for me because it's going to be hard today. I'm trying to do it in a way that's a little lighthearted, but at the same time in a way that may wake you up. All right? Howling. Are there emotional problems you keep dealing with? Don't just think that some recurring nightmare is just your brain. It could be a demonic spirit that just keeps, I I just keep having this dream that my kids are going to die. Okay, well, maybe that's a howling spirit that's just coming against you. We're going to take authority over today. Write it down, whatever they are. If they're coming to you as I'm talking, just write it down. Write the word. Write the feeling. Write the emotion. Cutting himself with sharp stones. Uh, I'm I'm just going to throw this there. You young people who think cutting is just the cool thing to do to get attention, if you're not careful, it can be a a demonic spirit behind it. This whole thing where kids just cut themselves. You usually could be dealing with a spirit. But I want to lean on this, cutting himself with sharp stones. Is that, is there a, gosh, that's the best way I could put it. Is, Is there something going on in your life right now This causing you pain and sorrow, but it never goes away. Because if I cut myself, it'll heal, but if I keep cutting myself, it just keeps getting... 
And so the cutting himself is a recurring problem that comes over and over and over. It may even be self-inflicted. You beat yourself up all the time. You beat yourself up with regret. You beat yourself up with anxiety. You beat yourself up when you see yourself in the mirror. You put yourself down all the time. That could be a demonic spirit working. Verse 6. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed before him. This is going to be a good thought for you. Even though an evil spirit may be at work in your life, you still can function. See, the, the, kind of the way Hollywood is portrayed it is, ooh, if there's a spirit, I, I'm dysfunctional. But this shows me that I can still run to Jesus... I can still bow down. I can still call him God and still be possessed or influenced by the evil power. So a lot of times, I oh, I go to church. I go you know, a couple of months. I go every now and then. I go every week. I do whatever we would say. But see, that, you know, I don't mean this. I do mean this in a comical way. I don't think the devil cared if you came today. He's sitting in the car waiting on you. And as soon as you leave... He's going to open the door and go, how was it? And you're going to say, he talked about you the whole time. Oh, cool, let's go get some coffee. Yeah, let's do. You see, he doesn't care if you come here. He doesn't care if you sing with Sarah about the goodness of God. All he cares about is when you're done that he still controls you. That's all he cares about. He will let you just have at it. You can sing Bethel Hill song, Fred Hammond. You can just have at it. And when you're over, he's going to say, well, how was it? Oh, I feel so refreshed. Good, let's go get some coffee. That's how he works. Verse 7. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me? Now, here's what's got to shift. It's our, dear Jesus, it's a quarter till. Help me. Amen. Go ahead. Thank you. I love that, right? What a great church. <laughs> Watch, because this will help. This is the devil talking. Why are you, son of God, interfering with me? You see, we've been lied to. We think that the devil interferes with us. That's the strategy. The strategy is, oh, he's on my back. The strategy is, he's coming against me hard. The strategy is that I just can't get rid of him. But the actual demon spirit shows up and says to Jesus, you are interfering with me. They understand the power of God. In other words, you should be interfering with his kingdom, not him interfering with your kingdom. Dear God, grow up and get some chutzpah. You have the anointing, the power, the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you stand on the power of God and the Holy Spirit power and the Word of God power and the blood of Jesus power, you are interfering with Him. Oh, come on, walk around your house one night and pray in tongues. You're interfering with the devil. Get your Bible out and walk through your kid's bedroom and read the Word of God. I'm going to interfere with the devil in my home. Dear God, thank God I married a Holy Ghost woman. That when our family's falling apart, I'll call her and say, what you doing? She says, well, 
I'm just up laying in the girl's bed. Well, dear God, it's two in the afternoon. What are you doing up there? I'm just reading the word, anointing everything with oil. Come on, somebody. Thank God for a mama that understands it might not be our daughter's issue. Maybe there's a spirit working on our girls and mama's up there laying in bed. Hallelujah. Reading, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He making me to lie down in green pastures. And it's got oil. Oh, she goes all Holy Ghost Pentecostal. Anointing her shoes. She anoints their bras. Anoints their underwear. Anoints everything. And then she just walks out and goes, well, my kids belong to the Lord. They don't belong to the devil. And then you, you let her come and put those anointed shoes on. Man, her little feet will be going all after God. Like, here, Jesus. She's like, I got to go to the bathroom again. I wonder why. Because mama anointed you underwear and bra. That's why. The Holy Ghost is all over you, honey. Do you understand? Once you begin to understand, I have the power of Jesus and I can interfere with them. I can take authority over these things. And I love this. Jesus, Son of the Most High God. The sad thing to me is I think sometimes the devil has more revelation of God than we do. I beg you, don't torture me. Next verse, I'll end here. For he already said to the Spirit, come out of him, you evil spirit. Is there something today that as I've talked, as Justin has read the word, is there something today that you could probably say, I think that might be an evil thing because I can't conquer it. I've tried. It keeps recurring over and over. I can't subdue it. I've blamed it on everything else, but maybe today it's a spirit. I'm going to ask the team to come up, praise team. Now right now, in, in the most holy, solemn, and I'll just ask if you could remain seated. Don't, don't walk around right now. In the most solemn way you can, I would like you to take about a minute of time and just ask God, is there a name, a word, an addiction, a habit, a person that comes to mind right now that has been recurring over and over, and a recurring dream, a recurring problem, over and over and over. It won't go away. You've tried to make it go away. You've tried to subdue it. And just as, as quiet as you can be, I just want you to write that down. The name, the emotion. And you say, what am I going to do with this? You're going to come and take communion, and you're going to leave it on the communion table. You're going to renounce it. I want to tell you a brief story of, and then how we'll do it, okay? Two years ago, Robin and I have a dear uh, friend that lives in Savannah, a couple. They have a couple of children. And they had reached out to me and said, there's just a lot going on in our home. The husband's struggling with alcohol, getting drunk and buzzing every night. The daughter was in the kitchen, and the mother heard something break on the floor. And 
ran downstairs and the daughter was passed out on the floor so she got the daughter to come to and said what happened she said I was just standing in the kitchen mama and a dark figure walked into the kitchen and I got so afraid I just blacked out they had asked me to pray and so I said well sure I'll pray so I left the gym one day and was minding my own business but as soon as I walked to my car they popped into my heart and I thought okay well that's a sign I need to pray and so I just said Holy Spirit right now and I called their name I said God just if there's something I need to say let me know and I saw a picture and in the picture I saw a Buddha statue a little Buddha sitting on a shelf and the Lord spoke to me and said there's a Buddha statue in their home and it's become an open door to demonic power call them and tell them to get rid of it and so I called him on the phone and I said, hey, this is going to sound really weird. I don't want you to think I'm a weird person, but you asked me to pray. I prayed. And I said, I saw a picture of a Buddha sitting on a shelf. And immediately tears came. The mom started crying. She said, yes, I have one. I said, well, you don't have to obey me because I'm not God. But I did feel like the Lord said there's open doors in your home because you put this little trinket statue up in your home and it's become an open door to a demonic power in your home that's working. That was about two years ago. I hadn't heard anything of it. I didn't ever call back and say, did you do it or what? I didn't ask. I just gave what I did. But I knew I was going to be talking today about this, so I called, I called the mother, uh, I guess Thursday maybe, and I said, hey, you remember when I called and said that about the Buddha statue? I said, I, I just never heard back like what happened. She said, oh my God. She said, when you told me, she said, we all sat down in the house. And she said, I also went through the house and somebody had given me something from Haiti. She said, I felt the Lord say there's a spirit on that as well. And so they took everything in the house after praying. They threw it away. They renounced it. They said everything connected to any evil power. I said, well, that's why I'm calling because I want to know was there a difference. Her words. My husband got free from alcohol. My daughter got free. Come on, somebody. Right? Strategies. I can't figure out why my husband's not getting healed. I'm not getting healed. My kids are having nightmares, and all of a sudden there's this little strategy, which is weird, where I don't know where you fall on this, a little strategy of a little trinket that holds some kind of idolatry thing. I don't even know how it would work, but, but definitely connected. Are there things in your home, Dad, Mom? Are there things on your playlist that are evil? Are you listening to music that has constant lyrics that are dark? Do you have books at home? Do you have Ouija boards? Do you have all kind of spiritual movies and things? And you even say, oh, those things don't even bother me at all. I know, because that's how the strategy works. Oh, I can handle that, man. The scarier, the better. Okay, praise God. But it's a strategy. It doesn't keep you out of heaven. It's just a strategy to rob you of life. Are there those things in your home? Are you allowing your kids to watch things they don't even have a business watching? Are you watching it because you're an adult, but your eyes are seeing all of the, the evil and the seances and the, the darkness, and you love it? You're like butter popcorn eating it. It's a strategy of the enemy to destroy you. With your heads bowed, your cards in your hand, Sarah is going to sing the song as we partake of communion. All my life, God has been faithful. And here's how we're going to end. To my right, 
and to my left are our elders. They have authority in the name of Jesus to break things that may be on you. They can pray. They can lay their hands on you. Jesus, the Jesus that we all serve in this church has come to destroy the works of the devil. Husband, are there works in your home and you're blaming it on your wife? Wife, are there works and you're blaming it on your husband? Are there topics you can't talk about? Are your children serving the Lord? Are your dreams messed up? Well, it could be a devilish spirit. Now stand with me, if you will, because here's what we're going to do. I I prayed about how to do this in the most practical way. And I'll tell you how I do it in my life personally. First, I repent and ask Jesus to forgive me. Second, I renounce it. Renounce means I cast it out. This will have no more place in my life, my marriage, my home, my thinking, my bedroom, my emotions. I renounce it. It will have no control over me. And then at the end of that... I'm just going to ask, I'm going to pray and lead you in a prayer. At the end of my leading you in a prayer, nothing spooky about it. I just want you to get out of your seat, come and partake of communion. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And as you grab that communion and lay your card down on the table, I want you to just take that bread and as you walk back to your seat, I renounce. And then whatever that was, it popped in your heart. The fear, the torment, I renounce it. It has no right over me. No pleasure over me anymore. And if you feel like it's just too strong for you to do that, our elders are here. Robin and I are here. Miss Patty, the ladies are up front. They will pray for you. And we will put our faith with you. But my prayer has been this, that when you walk out of the door, freedom is yours. And this thing that has tormented you will torment you no more. In the name of Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit of God, this is where we need you to come. We've done our part. We read the word. We've worshiped. We've talked about it. And now we need you, Holy Spirit, to enter this room and bring your power. And that the name of Jesus, the Son of the living God, God in the flesh, Jesus in the flesh, will be glorified right now. Son of the living God, come and work a work like John said to destroy the works of the devil over every marriage, over every husband, over every wife, over every single boy and single girl, over every addiction, over every habit, over every emotional problem, financial problem, dream problem. God, I thank you today that the power of the devil is put on notice and we say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. You have no authority and no right to touch God's children. We don't belong to you. We belong to God. We're his kids and not your kids. And every power of hell that would try to come against anybody in this building is put on notice today that the blood of Jesus Christ has authority over you. The work of Jesus on the cross has authority in Jesus' precious name. Pray this with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, I repent of being taken advantage of and acting like my habits, my emotions, my feelings, and everything connected to me was some human doing. I repent of any strategy that I have held on to from the devil. It has no right, no place over me. Satan, evil, I renounce you. Be done with my life. Be done in my heart. Be done in my family. You have no privilege. I belong to Jesus. I am his child. 
I am bought by his blood in the name of Jesus. I hold this in my hand and I renounce it and lay it at the feet of Jesus. You will plague me no more. I will wander no more. I will be bound no more. I will be addicted no more. I will believe a lie no more. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 